What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. A little bit later than I wanted to record today, but I've got a good reason. We had baseball media day and softball media day. We also had an opportunity to use the new softball facility hitting cages. How about that? You're good friend and host out there raking. I even did some work off the tee, man. I mean, you know, I was a hitter, right? I understand the importance of hitting off a tee. You're never too old or too developed to hit off a tee, ever. Young people, let that be a lesson to you. I remember being, you know, it's like, no, I want to hit off a tee, right? It's like an ego thing. No. Derek Jeter hit off a tee religiously. You can too, right? But it was fine, and i tell you what, Coach Ricketts, Number one, what a great facility. And it's good to see it now functional. And as she pointed out, you know, it's not, there's no coaches' offices. There's no booster areas. It's all about the players. It's an incredible facility. It's something you all should be very proud of. I know that I am. And to go in there and have all the technology and analytics and things like that, I'm not going to lie to you. I never hit 80 on my exit below today. I didn't. I barreled a few of them up, but I did not have the day that I'd hoped to have. But, uh, you know, I'm in my 50s. So some of those young people, I think sometimes I think your good friend and host is over the hill and um, found out that the pitching, that a pitching, you know, cage set up and uh, one Brian Ogden had 38 miles per hour. So, of course, I had to get in there and beat Brian Ogden. And he got a little salty about it. Brian's my friend. A uh, young guy, very, very competitive. Heard a story about him nearly causing a brawl after a Class C slow-pitch softball game. Yeah, good stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great, number one, to let's talk a little ball. But to get in there, and I thought Coach Ricketts w- was great. I mean, she really was. And uh, was very glad that we came, thanked every member of the media that came. I think that the star today hitting was my wife, Dana Robertson. I got video to prove it, too. And uh, she has not swung a bat, of course, since she played slow-pitch softball back in the day. And she told me I'm probably going to embarrass myself. She absolutely did not. Did a great job. But uh, we'll find out. You know, I don't, I don't know what uh, you know, scholarship availability Coach Ricketts has for uh, 
you know, for middle-aged grandmothers. I don't know. But uh, I, I will put my wife up against any of yours, period. It was fun, though. I mean, it really was. I'm going to be sore tomorrow, but it was fun. I'm already sore now. But it was fun. And I, I think Coach Ricketts, there is some psychology behind all of this. You, you do something cool like this. You get people around your program. You can talk about your program. You get them in your facility. They're more likely to develop a relationship with you and want to come cover your program. Uh, but it was good. It really was. A lot of media people there. It was a very well-run event. We had Chick-fil-A for lunch. We had baseball first, and then we went into lunch, and then into softball. And uh, so we'll talk some baseball here shortly. We got a lot of uh, coverage coming up for you on that. Have uh, videos and things like that, so you can kind of watch those. Got some fresh pictures. But uh, we got Coach Lamontis, and then six players. And then with softball, we got Coach Ricketts and three players. And uh, I asked specifically, and I'll run this piece later. You know, how is NIL impacted softball? I mean, it's a much different dynamic with softball. And Coach Ricketts kind of confirmed my suspicions about that. You know, it's not like – it's not pay for play. You know, we got Briley St. Clair that is uh, one of the most recognizable uh, female student athletes in the college ranks that has done exceptionally well. But uh, I think softball really is more within the spirit of the rule of NIL. It's what it was intended for. It's like, hey, you come here – you develop a brand, you get a social media following, and then you parlay that into some financial opportunities rather than, hey, if you don't give me $25,000, I'm going to go transfer. I get sick of all that stuff. And so I think there's still some purity in the game in that respect. And I appreciate Coach Ricketts taking some time to, to answer that question because it is a very complex situation at times. And, you know, with Title IX out there, I'm just going to tell you it's just a matter of time. As sure as I'm sitting here and you know it, it's just a matter of time before some young, enterprising Title IX lawyer says, you know what, I'm going to go get a bite of this NIL money. I'm going to do what I can to ensure that there is equal representation. And I understand it's a free market economy. A lot of people say, Steve, you know, you don't understand. And now I think with college athletics, I think perhaps you don't understand. There's going to be an adjustment uh, to allow for better compensation for female student athletes, and probably should be, right? And we, we discussed this in the infancy of this whole process. It's like, yeah, you'll be able to do ads and you can get some money off your jersey sales. And it's like, well, you know, what about your backup catcher on a softball team? Outside of that individual's family, you know, what type of NIL opportunities are they going to have? And so it's not too big a jump to expect to see, and especially now that we've got so much of this pay for play, that there's not um, some litigation about that. I, I fully expect that you do too. And I, I like Josh Pate's take. You know, Josh Pate, of course, with the 247 Sports, uh, the late kick, great, great show. If, you don't, if you're looking for sports commentary, Josh does an amazing job. And Josh says, you know, in a few years we're going to look back at this and say, you know, we're at, we were, it's funny that we were asking people working 9 to 5 to help bankroll all this stuff. There is an end date. We don't know when it is, but at some point there will be some evolution and some regulation when it comes to NIL compensation. And I'm here for it. I'm ready for this to get, uh, get fixed. And some people would argue, well, Steve, it is fixed. And I don't think that it is. I think there's just too much out there. There's too many people living in the wild, wild west. You know, we talked about the Florida state sanctions here recently. And now you find out that Florida has been under investigation for NIL violations as well. And that was the thing all summer long and all season long. People are like, oh, the NCAA is not going to do anything. Those sanctions on Florida state are significant. Period. It impedes everything you got going. 
in recruiting. And I, I've been told that Florida's situation may prove to be even more difficult than Florida State. And trust me, they're not going to stop there. They're not just going to make an example out of a couple people. There's some other people out there getting really loose and fast with NIL stuff too. That's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that we've got Charlie Winfield, somebody that, number one, has a law degree, was a practicing attorney, you know, that worked in conjunction with compliance that ensured we did things the right way. And other people out there were like, you know what, they, nothing's going to happen. We'll do whatever we want. And now the NCAA is like, nope, you can't. And uh, it's interesting, too. I, I remember some people saying, yeah, Florida State should sue. Well, when you've got a negotiated resolution, there is no grounds to sue. It was part of a negotiation itself. So you agree to the conduct. You agree to the sanctions. You can't come back later and say, ah, you know, we said we did this, and we said the, the penalties were fair, but now we're going to sue. Yeah, that's just not how it works. Not how it works at all. Sure, people can sue for anything. Doesn't mean it goes forward. But uh, be prepared for more NIL, NCAA investigations. And that's one of the things that I've thought about, too. A lot of people probably a little bit hesitant to, to put that information out there. You know, maybe, maybe we know somebody that uh, knows their way around open records law that might be able to get some of that information for us. Wouldn't that be neat? Like if we, what if we knew somebody that knew how to get, like, I don't know, a notice of allegations? You know, perhaps somebody that uh, has some experience with the State Ethics Commission? I don't know. I don't know. But you, you should better believe that there will be more of this stuff popping up. There will be. And it'll be around the country. You know, it's not just going to be relegated to the South. There are a lot of people out there that were just, you know, all gas and no brakes and thought nothing will ever happen. Well, now something's happening. But, uh, yeah, again, thanks again to Coach Samantha Ricketts and everybody involved with Mississippi State softball for giving us a chance to get in there, especially some of us ancient athletes, to get in there and kind of feel young again. I'm feeling old right now. And I'll feel really old tomorrow. But, uh, hey, good top ten list today. You guys already know what it is. I'm headed down tomorrow to see Great White and Slaughter at the IP Casino and Resort in Biloxi. I love getting down to the coast, man. I do. I love getting down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I just love the vibe down there, man. I always have enjoyed going to the coast. But, uh, you know, kind of post-Katrina, the things that we've done down there. And they're not all the way back. They're not. But, man, there's so much to do on the coast, so much entertainment, so many great places to eat. People come from all over the south, all over the country to be a part of all this. And so it's super cool uh, to be able to have something like that, whether you're a gambler or not. I don't know your needs or your value system, but I enjoy going to rock shows and I enjoy having a good meal. And so when I get a chance to get down to Biloxi, I do that. Seen a lot of great bands over the years in Biloxi and that Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum. We've all made some amazing memories there together, have we not? So, yeah, you know, you know what today's top ten list is. I'll, I'll be down there tomorrow. I cannot wait. Uh, Dana is attending the Mississippi State Women's Clinic. You can still register. You, got, you have to you know, report at 8 in the morning. But, uh, yeah, the bride's going to that. And she takes this stuff so seriously, man. Again, she's still an athlete, you know, but uh, she is so excited to go. It's the second annual Mississippi State Women's Baseball Clinic, a really good thing that we do. And uh, thankfully, she gets to go. I remember last year, they were getting ready to do it, talk to Lamontis, and he's like, hey, Dana's coming to the clinic. Well, sorry, she was out in New Mexico then. We just couldn't work it out. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. And uh, any time that the ladies get a chance to get out there and kind of be a part about all this and, and kind of enjoy a unique experience, it's a good thing. I mean, it really is. And so we look forward 
to having some reports from that. I've already told Dana that she's going to have to write an article about the experience. Uh, we'll post it over on Gene's page. Make it free. A little publicity for the event. Super cool, man. I mean, it really, really is. And I can tell you, I don't know if she'll sleep tonight. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if she will. She's super excited to go. And a lot of the ladies in the Facebook groups have commented that they're going to attend as well. So we look forward to that event becoming a bigger and bigger deal uh, each and every year. You know, we've done the basketball, excuse me, the football clinic, ladies football clinic for, all, for, for several years. But now it's the second year for baseball. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love them. They love me. We all love you. Next time you're in town, go by and check them out. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. It's an amazing experience. You can have those spring rolls and make yourself better looking. It's on the menu, and it's not by accident, right? It works. It works. Not only does it make you better looking, it, uh, it'll fill a hole in you. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes when you go sit down and put your feet under somebody else's table, you're thinking, man, I sure am hungry. I want a great meal at a great price with great service and a great atmosphere. That's exactly what you get at Bulldog Burger Company. I absolutely love going in there. I was a regular customer of Bulldog Burger Company long before they were a sponsor of this show. And again, I only do business with people that I trust. And I'd already picked them out as one of my favorite places to dine. And it just so happened that they became a sponsor of the show. So go by and check them out. Three great locations. You know where they are. Have those spring rolls. Get some dessert to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk some basketball stuff. I, listen, there's a lot of tough language out there right now about Mississippi State men's basketball. And it's well-deserved. It is. And uh, we knew it's tough to win on the SEC road, but we did not play well. And for a while there, it looked like we were kind of controlling that game at Florida. And next thing you know, they just kind of took over just before the end of the first half. We had all the juice and then next thing you know, you look up and, you know, we're down double digits before the half and never really climbed back in it. We tried to make a run at it late, but it was not a good performance. And you knew the week was going to be a difficult one. A road trip to Florida, who is a good team, not a great team, and then a great team, Auburn, coming in here. And uh, some Auburn dignitaries already in town. Make of that what you will. But... Um, you know, kind of looking back here quickly at the game, we're not going to recap this whole thing, but uh, I'm like all of you. I'm just kind of ready. I'm ready for us to kind of find a groove, and we, we let a game get away from us that we needed to win, not just because of a mathematical situation, because it was a team that I think that uh, is probably one of our contemporaries. I think athletically they may be a little bit beyond us, especially after watching us play them, you know, kind of head up here. Yeah, but six minutes to go in the half, Will Richard hits a three to put him up six. And you think, okay, they're starting to get a little separation here. Let, let's battle back, battle back, battle back. The lead swells to eight at the two-minute mark, another three-point basket this time by Walter Clayton. And it's a nine-point game at the break after Will Richard gets loose on the dunk. And it really – honestly, it felt like then, even though it was a nine-point game, it felt like they had already gotten the better of us. That's how it felt to me. I don't know how you felt. You know, basketball is a game of momentum. Everybody makes a run, but it really, really felt like we were in trouble. Florida comes right back out, goes right to work, pushes it out to 14 points, and just kind of maintains a double-digit lead throughout the second half. The lead swells to as many as 17. And at that point, you start thinking, man, are we going to get beat by 30? 
No, they just kind of kept it in there, and State kind of chips away late. We get it down to the single digits, and you think we got a chance. At the four-minute mark, it's under 10. It's an eight-point eight game, and you start thinking, okay, can we continue to chip away? We do. Josh Hubbard with a couple of nice free throws there makes it a six-point game, and State would get no closer. And in the end, they take it back out and stretch it back out to 12 and ultimately win by nine as Hubbard makes a three-point basket uh, with five seconds to go. But it really felt like we were never in control or really threatening to do anything of significance in that second half. And that just simply can't happen. You know, it's a tie game in the second half. You know, we matched them point for point, 36-36. But that, that run right before the half – allowed Florida to have some separation. They just kind of nursed it long after that. And, again, we never really got to in a, in a strong striking position. Uh, Tolo Smith, just 10 points. Guys, it can't happen. Even though it's a double-double, it can't happen. Tolu's got to play big, got to be big, and he's got to carry us in games like this, and, and we didn't. And I'm not going to sit here and be critical of him because he's given us all that he has, and he's just really kind of playing about 30 minutes a game. But I said on the show in our preview – this is a, uh, a game that we're going to go as far as Tolu can take us. And he didn't have a lot of help. He even fouled out of the game. Cam Matthews with nine points in the game. Josh Hubbard again with 26. And I'm going to say something, and it's going to irritate some people. And that's okay. But here's the harsh reality of this. And I said this on Facebook, and, and some people acted like I said that, you know, we should you know, trade Bully in at the, at the shelter. But um, – Guys, if Kermit Davis doesn't get fired, where are we as a basketball program? Let that sink in for a second. You say, what's he talking about? Well, you remember Josh Hubbard was signed to Ole Miss. He asked out of his national letter of intent after Kermit Davis got fired. And, you know, we all expected Kermit to get fired. It was not like it was breaking news when it happened. It wasn't some big, you know, surprise. But, uh, but Hubbard scores 26. If Hubbard doesn't play for us, are we a winning team right now? I don't know. But the truth of the matter is he is a Mississippi State Bulldog. He's done a great job for us. But uh, one of the things that I wonder about is, you know, on the recruiting trail, how many people are saying, hey, listen, hey, why would you go to Mississippi State? I mean, Josh Hubbard's our best player, and he's not even starting. You know, where would we be if Tolu hadn't come back? I mean, you know, that wasn't a huge, huge shock that he did. You know, we are who we are. But I began to think about, you know, the construction of this roster and really the lack of production by some players that uh, we just simply had to have, right? You remember all that in the postseason? Everybody's like, hey, listen, man, we got we to – listen, Charlie and those guys have got to take care of this guy and this guy and this guy. We got to have this guy. And then I look up now, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I look up and, you know, I have been on – I'm still on the Jan's bandwagon by any, by every, in every met, metric. But now we're 13-6 and six and 2-4 and four in the SEC – and we're staring two and five right in the face with Auburn coming in this weekend. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. 
and also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's okay to be concerned. And I see some people out there. I'm going to talk about this. I'm not going to get on a soapbox for long. But, folks, let me tell you this. We don't have to sugarcoat it when we don't play well. And that's okay. It's okay to kind of call it for what it is. And there's so many people, too, that their identity, of course, is wrapped up in Mississippi State's athletic success. And there are times I've been accused of the same. But it's one of those deals where it's like, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then we got to ask ourselves, you know, how did we read it this wrong? Now, what's interesting, too, is when State is – I remember the last time State was, quote, in trouble – we came out of the gate, we beat Tennessee. Also at home. This game tomorrow is at home. And listen, we need everybody there that can get there. Everybody. And we're going to be facing an Auburn team that lost to Alabama by four. Not a great outcome for them. 
And probably not a great one for Mississippi State because we're going to get a very focused Auburn team. Probably refocused. I mean, you lose that game. And Alabama clearly is better than their mid-non-conference record indicated. They were 6-5, and five, and even I was like, you know, it's a different Alabama team. Next thing you know, they get red hot, and they take down Auburn. Huge, huge win for them. 79-75 win for Alabama. Uh, snapped a very lengthy uh, winning streak. But uh, real quickly, as we, you know, we'll look at Auburn uh, in these few minutes before we get into our top ten list. But uh, they lose at the beginning of the year to Baylor. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota, number 20, Baylor gets them by six. They bounce back and take down southeastern Louisiana. They get Notre Dame in Brooklyn, New York, and just beat them ungodly, 83-59. 77-60 winners over the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure. They get Alabama by Alabama A&M by 30. In the ACC-SEC Challenge, Auburn gets Virginia Tech by 17, 74-57. And then they lose to App State. In Boone, North Carolina. Interesting, right? Interesting. And then they get, you think, okay, well, this Auburn team's not what we thought. Holiday Hoops giving takes place in the State Farm Arena, Atlanta, Georgia, and they beat Auburn beats Indiana 104 to 76. Did you expect that? They get at UNC Asheville, then they beat USC, Alabama State. They destroy UT Chat 101-66. They get pinned, and then we get an SEC play. They go to they go to Bud Walton Arena, which is a difficult place to play, even in mediocre years for Arkansas. Arkansas folks really turn up and support that program. And Auburn goes in there and gets some 83-51. They get Texas A&M, who is doing great in the net. I believe they lead the SEC in uh, quad one wins right now. They get LSU 93-78. They go to Vanderbilt, beat Jerry Stackhouse's group, which everybody has. And then they get Ole Miss in Auburn. And, uh, it, listen, the game was 82-59. It, it felt worse, right? If you went back and watched any of that, it never felt like Ole Miss really was in the game in the second half. And then they lose to Alabama. So, you know, we're going to have a team coming here that's ready to play. There's no question about it. 16-3 and overall, 5-1 and in the Southeastern Conference. They're 10 and 0 at home, and then 6 and 3 away from the plains of Auburn. 2 and 2 in true road games, 4 and 1 on a neutral floor. So you got a chance, but we're going to have to play a much better game than we've played here as of late. I don't know what's happened to us defensively. That's supposed to be our calling card. We are not playing well defensively. And it's been that way for several games. It's not just all of a sudden there's an outlier. You know, Alabama, Kentucky, we've had some people kind of score at will, especially late in ball games. Maybe that's a strength and conditioning issue. I don't know. But I know that we, there are a lot of times down the stretch we run out of gas. This is an Auburn team averaging just over 83 points a game, allowing just 66. So scoring margin differential of 17.3 points a game. And it's not like they played a very pedestrian non-conference schedule. They did go out there and play some other Power 5 opponents and handled them pretty well. A team that shoots it pretty well. from the floor. Really good free throw shooting team as a team right at 76%. Making about eight three-point baskets a game. Shooting 33%. We've seen some other people a little more prolific from beyond the arc. But Auburn's a team that will spread you out for sure. Uh, Pulling down 39.2 boards a game. Out rebounding their opponents by just over five. Dishing out 18.1 assists a game. That's a crazy number. They're playing team basketball at Auburn. 
And one of the things that worries me is, you know, the defense supposed to be our calling card. Offensively, at times, it never looks like we're setting up anything. It's just like we're just out here calling plays. There's a lot of times out there we're just we're just not able to get the open look. It's like we're trying to out athlete people rather than work within the framework of an offense. That's how it looks to me. You may see it different. And here's the thing: it doesn't matter how I see it or how you see it or what you think about basketball, or what you think that I know about basketball, we are who we are. You know, we can get into the minutia of all of this and begin to break down numbers and tendencies and things like that, and that's all fun to talk about when you're winning. But the bottom line is we're not scoring enough points. And I hate to have this oversimplification of things. We cannot win high-scoring games, period. We cannot afford to get into a shootout. We're just not a good enough offensive team. And we had another offseason to fix that. You know, Andrew Taylor, of course, was supposed to be another uh, three-point marksman for us. We've got very little contribution from him. He hadn't played in weeks. Keyshawn Murphy hadn't played. Tolu was hurt. Finally get him back. I mean, it is what it is. And Justin Farmer wrote the column the other day, and some people didn't like it. You know, Chris Janis hadn't exactly been dealt an even hand here. But it's still his job to win. And that's the thing when you look at, we talked about the other day, but hey, we've got, you know, four guys that have started now for three years. And maybe that's not a good thing. You know, we try to bill it as such. Well, we got all these reps and all these minutes, and these guys have played a lot of SEC ball, but, you know, a lot of it's been fairly mediocre. And it's okay to be honest about that. A little deeper into the Auburn numbers here. Guys, they're averaging 17.2 points a game off turnovers, only allowing 10. They will get out there in the passing lanes and try to go from defense to transition offense very, very quickly. 149 steals for them on the year. And 111 blocks. They're willing to get out there and bang in the paint. Look at some individual numbers here. Uh, Johnny Broom. The straw that stirs the drinks in some respects, and that's what's so interesting about this team. 15.8 points a game, but if you look up and down the box score here, they got a lot of people that contribute every single game, whether they be in the starting five or off the bench. Jalen Williams, of course, he's a dude. You know, 12.2 points a game, has pulled down 102 rebounds. Uh, between he and Broom, it's 268 boards of their 744, just two guys. I'm mean, kind of a two-man wrecking crew there in that respect. Aiden Holloway started 17 games for him. A couple games he didn't start but still came off the bench, contributed right at double figures. And you go from there. I mean, it's like you know, there's, there's seven or eight guys here that are averaging six points or better. And so you get some contribution. Even when you go to your bench and you need to give guys a blow just before a media timeout or something, they've been able to bring in some guys that have been able to give quality minutes. There's a lot of depth on this Auburn team. It's no mystery that they're winning. you got great coaching, and you've got great players that bought into a system where it's a shared ball. It's not, okay, we've got a star here. Go, go win us a game, son. No, no, no. They're, they're playing a team game. And those are teams that really give us trouble. You know, one player, two players, not going to beat us. But a team can and has. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic for sure. And uh, I won't be surprised if State comes out and plays well. Because there have been a couple times in the Chris Jans era that just when it feels like that we're slipping, Jans finds a way to kind of get a readjustment. 
Like, you know, you lose that game to Southern, and then you go out to Atlanta and you absolutely just destroy Tulane. You know, and, and that's a good – I mean, Tulane's not Kansas, right? But that was a team that was playing really good basketball, and we went down there and completely dominated them. So Jans will have, I think, the guys ready to go. The issue is can we match up? Can we match up with this group? That's what really remains to be seen. And, and with four senior starters, we should be. We should be able to match up. But I think at some point, too, experience doesn't always offset athleticism, especially in men's basketball. That's probably one of the biggest variances in, in college athletics is in men's basketball when it comes to talent level. Because in football, you can scheme people to death. You can figure a way to kind of make things happen for yourself. And again, baseball is an individual game. It's a team game played by individuals. It's more about individual performances. You go up to that batter's box alone. You tow the rubber alone. So you don't have somebody that can pick you up. You got to figure that thing out yourself. Uh, look at the men's basketball schedule. And a reminder, the women don't play this weekend. We'll, we'll be playing um, against LSU on Monday. But a, a busy day in the league on Saturday is Georgia heads to Florida. It's 11 a.m. tip, Mississippi State time. That'll be on ESPN2. At noon, Missouri at South Carolina. South Carolina, just when we think that, you know what, that's a bad loss. They found a way to, to get a win you weren't expecting. Of course, Auburn at Mississippi State, 2.30 tip here at Humphrey Coliseum. and we encourage you to come out and be part of that. Tennessee's at Vanderbilt. That's a 5 p.m. tip on the SEC Network. Kentucky and Arkansas will be on ESPN. That's also a 5 p.m. tip. Uh, in the nightcap, you got two games, your choice, ESPN or SEC Network. LSU's at Alabama, and Ole Miss is at Texas A&M. Uh, a- that A&M Ole Miss game will tip at 7.30. So, uh, again, Busy, busy weekend, and we have to win some games. It's as simple as that. I mean, you know, we, we can sit here again and, as I mentioned, just kind of get down in the trivial aspects of basketball, and that's, that's what happens. And the only people that are bigger nerds about numbers other than accountants and baseball people are basketball people. It's like, hey, you know, this is our net differential when this guy's on the floor. Guys, none of that matters if we don't win. And you say, but yeah, that's the key to winning. No, it's not. No, it's just something to talk about. That's the reality of it. Can we put the ball in the basket more times than they can? Period. You, you don't go through this whole thing and you, you can overthink it. And it's like, that's what happens. We, we delude ourselves into thinking, well, if we can just do this, and just do that. Guys, the most difficult thing to do in life is to predict future human performance. That's why games like Tennessee are so amazing, right? Just when you're ready to give up. You find a way to win. And if State can beat Auburn tomorrow, man, it cures a lot of ills. It does. But there is certainly some herky-jerkiness with this team. And I think some teams are kind of figuring out, too, that um, Josh Hubbard can't beat them alone. People are like, you know what, Hubbard may get his. You know, Alabama and Kentucky both did a really good job uh, trying to get out there and off the shots because Josh is a volume shooter. And that's one thing that I began to think about, too. If this season doesn't go the way that we expect it to, are we gonna, how, how, how hard are we going to have to fight next year to keep him? It's a new era, man. It's just a different dynamic. I mean, the days of the developmental player are over, and if you bring a guy in that gets hot, then everybody in the country is going to be contacting his AAU coach or his uncle or whoever, saying, hey, is this kid going to go in the portal? If he does, we can get him this. And, again, hopefully the NCAA can get some guardrails around that. But uh, it, we're not in a good place. But, again, things could change rather quickly. And, again, if we can, once we get through this week, things kind of ease up a little bit for us. But 
Again, the Florida loss, I thought, really took some air out of the balloon for us. And, and you saw in the body language of the team late in that game, it really felt like you know, our guys knew we let a game get away we needed to get. And so now Chris Jans and his staff got to work hard to get them turned around. And, and sometimes that's the best motivator. It's like, hey, you got a chance to prove yourself here. One of the top teams in the country is coming into your backyard. You got an opportunity to take that, kind of reset the deck a little bit. We hope that's the case. But uh, again, hopefully you can be in the Humphrey Coliseum uh, tomorrow to cheer on the Bulldogs. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R.com. Blair is my friend, your friend, our collective friend in the mortgage industry. Your mortgage is just too important to entrust to just anybody. I mean, you never know when somebody's going to go out there and kind of take advantage of you. You say, hey, just put all these exorbitant fees and points and things like that. It's to kind of pad their own pocket. You know, it's a very lucrative industry, but you need to deal with somebody that's got ethics. That's Blair Chandler. 23 years of experience in the industry. He will go fight for you. He will structure a loan that gives you the best chance to get an approval. Whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time, second time, third time, you're looking to refinance, maybe you need a second mortgage. I don't know your needs, but whatever they are, Blair is your best option. Give him a call or text today. This goes directly to him. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. He's a very tall guy. He is. He, when you meet him, when you go to that closing and he's there, you, you know, okay, yeah, I understand why underwriters may be a little bit afraid of it. Yeah. But it's not just because of uh, Blair's impressive stature. It's his resume. This is a guy that knows how to get things done. Have somebody working hard for you. There are a lot of people that love to have your business, but a guy like Blair Chandler has earned the opportunity for your business. And again, 601-500-2344. Visit the website today, closewithblair.com. All right, I told you guys I'm going to see Great White and Slaughter. I can't wait. I have uh, met all these bands. And uh, I've been a Slaughter fan from the beginning. I was a Mark Slaughter fan before there was the band Slaughter. To give you a little backstory. Vinnie Vincent, former KISS guitarist, put together a little outfit called the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. They had a uh, debut album, had a hit called uh, Boys Are Gonna Rock, and uh, Vinnie was kind of a shredder guitarist, also a very self-destructive person. Gene Simmons says Vinnie Vincent is the most self-destructive person he's ever been around. So Vinnie puts together that. Things don't work out with the original singer. I think it was Rob Fleischman. And so they hired Mark Slaughter. Mark Slaughter, a guy with a five-octave voice, could hit the big notes, could use a lower register, also was a very dynamic songwriter. And then the album All Systems Go came out. And if you remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street, there was that great song Love Kills. It was part of one of those soundtracks. I don't remember which one. It was a huge hit off All Systems Go. I love the whole album. Uh, you should too. Dirty Rhythm is a great track on that album too. I want Dirty Rhythm. I, I do. Uh, and so what happened eventually is Chrysalis Records kind of got tired of Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie was a guy that was constantly, uh, you know, running up a tab, expecting a record company to pick up tab and everything. So they basically pulled the record deal from Vinnie and went to Mark and Dana Strom. And, you know, we discussed Dana's the guy that introduced Randy Rhodes to Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, Dana's been at it a while. And then Dana and Mark put another band together. And they got Blas Elias, who has been with them forever and a day, even spent some time with Kiss. And then uh, 
Tim Kelly. And then Tim, unfortunately, was a guy that got into some legal trouble for drug trafficking and eventually died in a car accident out in Arizona when an 18-wheeler, a guy that an 18-wheeler <clears throat> truck that was driven by a guy that was under the uh, under the influence of narcotics crossed the center line and hit Tim head on and killed him. And they went out and got Jeff Bando. Jeff Bando has been with them for a while now. Jeff was also a former guitar player in Saigon Kick. He and Dana Strum are also part of uh, Vince Neal's solo band. Saw those guys play in Rocklahoma. Thank Mark. Thank you, Mark, very much. Thank you, as always. But here's my top ten slaughter songs. I didn't put Shout It Out from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on this, which is an amazing soundtrack, and maybe I should have. I did not. Maybe Roy will add it as a bonus track. But these are my ten favorites. And uh, many of these are going to come from that debut album that everybody bought. That was the big rumor back then, too, is that, like, uh, how did Slaughter come from obscurity to one of America's, uh, you know, most successful rock bands for that period in the early 90s? They say, well, they must have bought Warren's fan club list. That was the rumor. Wasn't true, but uh, that was the rumor back then. But, um, again, a band with a lot of uh, real quality melodies and things like that. You know, it helps when you've got a guy that can really sing. All right, number 10, Let the Good Times Roll. This is not the cover of the Cars classic. It's an original track from Slaughter. A later album, but worthy of, of your listen, for sure. Number nine, All Fired Up. Love this one, too. Again, not a cover song. There have been multiple songs entitled All Fired Up, but this is, again, one a little bit deeper in the catalog maybe you're not as familiar with. Now, going back to Stick It To You, which had one of the best album covers of all time, Look it up yourself. Uh, the cover model, former wife of rat rhythm guitar player Robin Crosby. Uh, you Are the One, a deeper track off Stick It To You that maybe you don't know as well. But that's the thing about that album. Like every song kind of sounded like a single. The production value was absolutely incredible. Songwriting, amazing. Number seven, Sticking It Would Stick It To You. It's uh, Spend My Life. I want to spend my life with you. And it's, and it's a relationship song, as you guys would expect. I think Mark's vocal on this is absolutely electric. Number six, Eye to Eye. This is one, that, you know, back in the 80s, we had these great intros to, uh, to tracks, especially if they were the first song on the first side of a cassette tape. You'd have this great intro. And, and Eye to Eye is your number six one, Eye to Eye. This is one of those that has this great intro You've got this little uh, crazy little guitar riff in the background. You hear like a camera clicking. Uh, ready or not, here we come. We're going to set this world alive. It's The vocal on it is remarkable. But you knew from the beginning, the lead track on that album, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And I thought it was a great introduction into the album. Number five, one of my favorite songs in the Slaughter catalog. And... Um, Again, the vocal stylings of Mark Slaughter really kind of carry you here. And it's a song called Mad About You. Very, very positive band, you know. And this was about, you know, this is, I'm in love with this person. And uh, I think the guitar on this is excellent. It's Tim Kelly's kind of shiny moment to me. But um, maybe a track that uh, is more of a fan favorite than it was a critical favorite. They still play it live. Uh, they'll play it tomorrow night in Biloxi. All right, number four, and uh, probably the most notable thing about this, this is from the second album, The Wildlife, but Shannon Doherty, remember her from Beverly Hills 90210? Shannon Doherty was uh, incredibly popular 
did the Maybelline commercials and Noxzema and everything. She was the girl that everybody wanted to be, had this perfect skin. She is the star of this video, and it's uh, Real Love, the, title, the, the lead single off the Wildlife album, which is, I would say, not quite as good as Stick It To You, but it's really, really good. And I, I think because music was changing, there were a lot of people that didn't give that album a, a chance. It was still a gold album. Of course, Stick It To You was uh, two times platinum. And you get a gold certification uh, for the wildlife. It was actually better than that. Probably should have been a platinum album. But um, you know, MTV began to kind of gravitate towards um, you know a different genre of music. It's just kind of the reality of life. But real love, a great track, for sure. All right, I made a mistake. I did. I made a mistake, and we actually are going to put "Shout It Out" at number three here because I put "Mad About You" twice. That's how much I love the song. I put it twice on the top ten list. I should have checked my work. It's my mistake. But number three is Shout It Out from the Bill and Ted Bogus Journey soundtrack. I absolutely love that album. I love that movie. I love Bill and Ted. I like Bill and Ted 3, but you know, Bill and Ted 1 was incredible. Bill and Ted's 2, Bogus Journey, was as good or better. And if your kids don't know those movies, I think that you probably haven't raised them right. I'm just going to just throw that out there. Because I showed my kids all of my favorite movies. You know, when they got old enough to understand them, you know, we watched Bill and Ted, we watched Young Guns, we watched Wayne's World, One and Two, we watched Yahoo Serious, we watched The Outsiders, all that good stuff, man. I turned them on. But shout it out, number three on your list. And of course, you know, because of the success of the Stick It To You album, it made sense to have Slaughter on there. All right, we're down to the final two. And you know which two songs they are. You just don't know what order they're in. Now, if you know my policy about the top 10 list, you probably can guess how I did this. But uh, number two for me, which may be your favorite, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to quibble about this. This is because of the fact that I think that you could make a case for either song. But number two, and the acoustic version on this is just absolutely amazing. It's Flight of the Angels. And, uh, of course, it's about losing a loved one. An incredible song. The vocal is incredible. Uh, the ability to elicit emotion from the listener is evident. It's amazing. But number one for me is the song that started it all for us. It was our gateway song to slaughter. It's up all night, sleep all day. It was a lifestyle for us. And so all of a sudden we had a theme song. Great song, and uh, one of the cool things about Slaughter, they've always been about fans. I remember reading, I think it was in Hit Parader, may have been Circus Magazine, that uh, they had played a sellout show, I want to say with Kiss. I think that's right. And uh, there were a lot of kids that wanted to go to the show that couldn't get in. It was huge. And so after the show was over, Slaughter went and played at a Taco Bell. Yeah, in the parking lot of a Taco Bell. They did acoustic stuff, but they just, I mean, just for the, for the kids that couldn't go, there just happened to be a Taco Bell there. And um, they went to eat. <laughs> I guess catering wasn't enough for them. And they played a free show for all these kids. And that's the thing that you'll find with people. In the rock industry, I'll tell you, Mark Slaughter is the nicest guy in rock and roll. I've met Mark, and uh, I believe that's correct. i got a lot of friends in rock and roll. And when you bring that name up, that's the guy that everybody loves touring with because he is a pro. There's a reason that these guys are still packing out 
casinos and things like that. And the casinos are perfect for people like us, right? You know, it's great. You can just go in your room, get your tickets, get checked in, go to dinner, go to a cool show. And if you have an adult beverage, you don't have to drive home. It's a great operation for us. But uh, Slaughter sold over 5 million records, man. 2 million, of course, with the first album. But half of the record sales have come after The Wildlife, which was the second album. So still a nice fan base. And um, when I met Mark Slaughter, uh, I was very, very impressed with him. And uh, I had made mention to him when I was a few years ago when I saw them. I said, Mark, I, I haven't seen you guys since 91. And Dana Strom looked at me and said, are you kidding? You haven't seen us since 91? I said, I've seen you and I've seen Jeff with Vince, but I haven't seen Slaughter as a band since 91. It's crazy. And now we'll get a chance to see him again for the third time uh, this weekend. Really excited about it. I'm excited for the wife to see it. And for all of you that are maybe making the show for the first time, you're in for a treat because Mark Slaughter, unlike a lot of his contemporaries, can still hit the big note. Mark's vocal quality remains all these years later. I mean, you know, he's been in the game now for 35 years. I mean, Slaughter was founded in 88. And they're still outperforming and still doing a great job and still packing people in. And it's not, and Mark's still got long hair. Dana does too, you know. It's not like some of these bands out there that are just simply a nostalgia act. Even though Slaughter's going to play the hits, they'll probably do a 10-song set list in advance of Great White. And Great White will probably play 15 or 16, and we'll call it a night. But it's going to be a great night in Biloxi. Come out and join us. Uh, it's a near sellout, too. Uh, I checked. I bought my tickets a few days ago, but uh, I checked it uh, yesterday or day before. And one said it was less, less than uh, 100 tickets left. And if you've been there, you understand it's a very intimate setting. But when you think about all those seats up there at the top, you know, uh, it's going to be a great venue. And if you've never been to those casino shows down on the coast, you owe it to yourself to go. I mean, it, it's really, really a great experience. I can't wait to go. And as soon as Dana finishes up, I even bought her an outfit for the weekend because I'm, I'm that dude, right? And uh, we're going to go have a great time. And I'm sure I'm going to see some of my concert friends that I always see when I go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast because you know how it is. I'm sure when they see me, it's like, oh, it's that dude again, you know. And other people know me as Steve. But I love going down there and spending time with you all. As I, should, I, I love going to Biloxi, but I love the whole casino experience, even if you don't gamble. And I'm people are like, oh, but Steve, you still got to go in there. It's a den of iniquity. Okay, let's relax a little bit, okay? But I love being able to go on down there and uh, be able to check it out and to go see a show in a very intimate setting. It's a very nice environment. You don't feel like I'm standing on... Uh, you know, a beer all night, it's always a good thing. But, uh, yeah, as soon as the women's clinic is over, we're headed south. We'll get down there and check into our hotel and and uh, go have a nice dinner and then go enjoy a great show. We'll come back. And it's the last weekend we're going to be able to kind of get away as a couple for a while because True Rest is nearly open. Finally, right? I've been talking about this now for a year. We're finally here. Got our final inspection taken care of a couple days ago. They got the chandelier hung in the Oasis room. Internet's all set up. Security's all set up. The pods are going to be delivered next week. Signs going up next week. So then we'll do like a soft grand opening, and then we're going to be rocking and rolling for you. And I have so many people that have reached out and said, Steve, we can't wait to try it. Uh, go to True Rest Starkville. Like our Facebook page. Going to have some grand opening specials, like some BOGOs, and there's some great membership opportunities. And I want to thank 
Tim O'Brien and all of our friends over at West Point that uh, had Dana come do the program for West Point Rotary on Thursday. Uh, you guys are amazing to me. And I, I don't know that I said that enough. And, uh, you know, it's a friend of somebody that I love sent me this song a few years ago and said, hey, anytime I hear this song, I think about you. It's Brantley Gilbert's The Ones That Like Me Love Me, right? I absolutely love that song. I was listening to that yesterday. got a little nostalgic. And uh, I, I love the track. I love the part where he says, uh, you know, the ones that hate me don't know me. And that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. Because, you know, to, to know me is to love me, right? That's how I feel. I'll take care of you. You got needs, you got chemical dependencies in your, uh, in your family. You can always call on your good friend and host. You got questions about Mississippi State? You can check in with me. I'm not too good for any of you. I can promise you that. I miss an old boy from South Mississippi that's got a cool job and a head full of hair, which is always nice because my friends don't have that. Uh, two of my best friends that I'll see. We're going to have the, uh, we're gonna have the old friends dinner. It's the guys here in a couple weeks. And then we'll meet down at Hattiesburg. And two of my best friends are completely bald. So I've got enough hair for all of us. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. A couple of those guys, man, I hadn't seen in 25 years or more. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get together and have some fun with that. But uh, listen, thank you all for all of your support, whether it be through Gene's page, through buying books, listening to this show, follow me on Twitter, whatever. It's one thing people come around to me, oh, man, I follow you on Twitter. Thank you. It, it seems like a minor thing, but it isn't because that means you're, you're, you're consuming our content. You're retweeting our content. You're reading our content. And I had somebody send me a video here recently where, you know, somebody read it, uh, one of their kids was reading an article that I wrote and uh, their kid knew that the recruits better than their parents did, you know, and it said, hey, I think you've turned my kid into a recruit, Nick, because anytime that you share any recruiting stuff, you know, the kind of what's next articles, he, he absorbs all that stuff. It's a futuregenespage.com subscriber for sure. But thank you all so much for your support over the years. I say that from time to time. I probably don't say it enough. I love each and every one of you, even if you don't like me. But one of the things that I'll share with you about me that maybe you don't know, I'm the kind of guy that'll get your back. And I'll have your back even when you don't have mine. Like my friendship is not conditional on yours. You know what I'm saying? Like some people say, hey, I'm going to treat you like you treat me. No, I'm going to treat you the way I want you to treat me. I'm not going to mirror you. Now, if you treat me great, I'm going to try to outgrade you. I'll be honest with you. It's how I feel. But uh, there, I've got friends right now that uh, they, they would call me in the middle of the night. I'd pick up the phone and get in the car. I'd take off and go. Because if i got people around me that I love that are in trouble, if they got trouble, i got trouble. And that's how I see life. If you have ideas for top ten lists, reach out let us know. best way to do that is hit up Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. You can find our great list on Spotify, too, on that same handle, Dogmatic67. Just click subscribe. It's not going to hurt you. Just one more click. That hurts you anything. If you're a Spotify person, that's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Maybe just follow Roy on Twitter. Because I know a lot of people don't have a chance to listen to the list. You just kind of want to see what my thoughts are. But uh, I am so jacked to go see Slaughter. And, and I don't think Dana's ever seen Great White either. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've seen Great White, I think, six times now. Can't wait. Every time I go, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a different singer, it seems like, every time. But uh, you know, Mitch Malloy's no longer with him. But uh, I'm excited to go see him because Mark Kendall and those guys still do a great job. Still three original members in Great White, even though Jack Russell's no longer a part of it. They, they put on a killer show. So if you're on the fence about going out, and listen, I know it, it's such a huge music weekend in Biloxi. 
Tool is playing, but the tickets were just ridiculous. I just I couldn't do that. And then Breaking Benjamin, an acoustic set, and I've seen Breaking Benjamin probably half a dozen times. And every time I see him, it's amazing. But we're going to Great White and Slaughter. That's what we're going to do, and we're going to have a great time. And uh, hopefully, you come out and join us. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. You probably know them well. Because you've probably been doing business there for years. And if you haven't, shame on you. Campus Bookmart, the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Until they open up a Mississippi State merchandising place on the moon or Mars, the best you're going to get is going to be Campus Bookmart. A lot of people make that claim, but they are pretenders to the throne, for sure. Whether you're looking to outfit your home, your patch, your RV with Mississippi State merch, the way to go is Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right. Great day of baseball today. We got uh, Chris Lamonis and six players. I'll run down the list for you, and you can look for this content over the next couple days. It was Coach Chris Lamonis, uh, Bryce Chance, Dakota Jordan, Stone Simmons, Nate Dome, Amani Larry, and Colby Holcomb. What's interesting, Nate Dome with a buzz cut these days, took a picture, sent it to his dad, who was breaking news to him too. I guess that's the uh, <clears throat> it's a new season. It's a new look. He'll bring the Slim Shady back, I'm sure. Uh, but Lamonis kind of confirmed what we observed in the fall as far as uh, who we expect to be your starting nine. Uh, of course, Ross Highfield is catcher one. He does have some depth behind him. You know, Jackson Owens, a guy that we you know signed expecting some big things from. Johnny Long has been a surprise for us. Uh, but, you know, Ross, of course, is the guy. You know, and uh, it could be a situation, too. We play multiple catchers this year. It is not to wear Ross out. Uh, we're a little bit careful with Ross late in the fall. You know, there's a lot of lot of work involved in all that, but uh, I'm excited about Ross's potential. Uh, Logan Kohler at third base. No surprise there. Shortstop. And Lamontis talked a little bit about this, about, you know, we got three guys in the middle infield with Amani Larry, Dave Mershon, and, of course, Dylan Cup. that uh, whoever the odd man out as far as the starting nine could be a designated hitter. And we like Amani at the top of the order. Of course, Hunter Hines at first. Bryce Chance in left, Connor Hyzak in center, and then Dakota Jordan in right. Uh, there's interesting, too, I know some people have uh, made mention, you know, why would you move Jordan from left? Well, traditionally, you put your, your outfielder with the biggest arm in right because the longest throw you make – it's from right to third. And the fact that you've got a guy like Dakota Jordan, in, in many respects, like you just go back and look over the years when we have been really good defensively, is we've had a right fielder that can limit guys from taking that extra base. You know what I'm talking about? Remember Corley when he was in right in the latter years of Polk? You know, it was like Corley would be out there in right and you didn't dare. You didn't dare try to go first to third on Brad. And that's the weapon that Dakota Jordan gives you, the ability to, to prevent that guy from taking third on a, f- a first and third situation. Like, you know, it, it negates 
when there's a runner at first and a base hit to right, people are going to think twice about trying to stretch. You know, we've had some guys in recent years that have kind of been out there doing the best they could, but didn't have the arm as Dakota Jordan. Dakota Jordan's a five-tool player. To, to me, it makes absolutely perfect sense to have Dakota Jordan in right field. DJ is a guy that can do some big things. He can play all the positions in the outfield, but he projects on the major league level as a right fielder. It makes good sense for him to be there. Uh, Bryce Chance spent some time visiting with us. Situation last year, you know, where he, uh, he lays out, playing full effort, gets banged up, and then was hurt for a while, which allowed Dakota Jordan to kind of get back in the order. Uh, and so, Isaac is a guy that didn't get a ton of reps last year in the outfield, played some for us at third base. We thought he may be a left fielder for us. Uh, gives you some opportunities to do some interesting things. Bryce Chance, of course, a guy that's got some versatility. He can play infield or outfield. But it appears that your, your starting nine are settled. I asked Lamontis directly about designated hitter. You know, we, we've had the benefit of Luke Hancock when he wasn't playing first or he wasn't catching where Luke was our everyday designated hitter. At this point, nobody has really emerged as that guy. It appears that we're going to kind of play the matchups here. Now, of course, if somebody gets hot, then they'll take the spot, right? But we're going to probably, you know, work the right-left matchup a good bit uh, with the designated hitter spot. And uh, I think that's a smart way to go. It also gives you an opportunity to get some more of the guys some at-bats. And that was something last year we kind of struggled with. There were some kids last year that needed to have more ABs. And, uh, you know, I remember last year Dakota Jordan – Day one, man hitting three-hole. If you know anything about baseball, you understand you don't get many fastballs hitting three-hole. You get a diet of breaking balls. And, in, and while there was some growing pains with that, Dakota Jordan became a better player as a result. And now he's had a full year of seeing how teams want to attack him. And you put him in a situation now where you know, he can best help this team. Uh, I, I love the fact Hunter Hines and DJ are going to be hitting back-to-back. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I mean, you're not gonna, there's not, there's not going to be a better power-hitting duo in the country. Maybe some as good, not going to be anybody better than what, what you have right there. You know, the big question is going to be about pitching. We have more pitching depth than we've had probably since 2021. And a lot of that, of course, was a byproduct of the COVID year. You're able to bring some guys back, and you had an abbreviated draft, so you'd have near as many guys leaving school. So you're able to kind of stock the, the warehouse a little bit. We've done that here as well. Now, one of the things that I thought was incredible is hearing some of the pitchers talk, you know, Stone Simmons uh, specifically, Colby Holcomb a little bit, a little bit. But Stone Simmons, very, very, very gregarious guy, really speaks well. And he talked about how Justin Parker is really an alpha dog, that he will absolutely get on you. He said he threw a first-pitch fastball in his first bullpen of the year. He painted a corner with it, and he felt really good about himself. And then all of a sudden, Parker's like, well, wait a minute, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do this? You know, that's – that's coaching. You know, you can't just say, okay, well, he hit the spot. Well, coaching is about developing consistency. And in order to develop consistency, you've got to do things the right way. You've got to develop that muscle memory because you can't just say, okay, well, you know, the result ended up the way we wanted, even though the process wasn't what we, what we instituted. And I think Stone's a guy too. You know, it's been two years. You know, we hadn't seen Stone pitch since that, that fateful weekend in Tulane. And I asked him specifically about that, and he was very appreciative for the question. And I remember this looks like it was yesterday. We're about to take the series. Stone has a sparkling eighth inning. 
absolutely phenomenal eighth inning, and we don't bring him back out for the ninth. And then we blow it in the ninth, and we lose the series. And Chris Lamonis got absolutely roasted on social media. Oh, Chris didn't know what he's talking about. Why would he pull Stone? This is idiotic. And I was the only media guy there. So I asked Chris, you know, why didn't Stone come back out for the ninth? And rather than throw the kid under the bus or talk about his health, he goes, you know what, it was Coach's decision. And Coach simply ate it. And Stone said today what that meant to him. And Stone said, hey, I wanted to get out there on social media and defend the coach and try to explain to people, you know. But, in, you know, of course, our fans are very passionate about baseball, and that's a good thing and often a bad thing. It's like, hey, we don't have all the facts, but let's go grab the pitchforks, right? Let's go make some things happen. But Stone injured himself on that last pitch of the eighth inning. If that doesn't happen, it's probably a, it's probably a different ball game and a different series and probably a different season in many respects. But when you lose those guys, and of course Brooks Auger, of course, had to had to kind of elevate his game and ultimately lose him too. It's pretty incredible to think about you know what we've had to deal with. And that's the thing, we talk about this with football a lot. But you know what Mississippi State baseball needs this year? Normalcy. We need a normal year. We need to know from one weekend to the next who is available. We need to be in a situation where we don't have to mix and match and take a guy to the bullpen and make him a starter for two weekends and push him back to the bullpen. We don't need that. Guys are willing to do that. But when you can have defined roles as pitchers and have them week to week know when they're going to pitch, when they're going to be called on, what's expected of them, it's easy to prepare on the mental and the physical side of the game. And our pitchers, for one reason or another, whether it be injuries, uh, season ending, or, or just week to week, or, or just ineffectiveness, we, we have not had a normal season over the course of the last two years. You know, KC Hunt was a guy that you know, we expected him to be the dog for us, man. Then all of a sudden, KC gets hurt at opening weekend of 2021. Missed some time again last year. And uh, KC is a great young man. And, uh, but KC was a guy, too, that just it seemed like at times was outstanding, and other times he just simply couldn't get right because he had to kind of work through you know, some health things. And the problem with that was is that we didn't have anybody as talented or comparable that we could put in that same position. So then as a result, he's pushing himself trying to get back, and, and that's one thing that Stone talked about. The most difficult part of his rehab was watching his team struggle. It's not about yourself, right? It's like, you know, I know I could help this team if I'm healthy, but I can't. You know, and Stone probably could have gone for us late in the year, but why do you waste a year of his eligibility? Just a handful of games. You know, in a season that is many respect over. You know, yeah, we probably could have won a game or two more down the stretch and stuck into Hoover. But you and I both know, I mean, that the season needed to end. And that's one of those things we, you, know, you look back and you say, you know what, I love Mississippi State baseball. Anything can happen, right? Just get us in the postseason. You never know what could happen. Somebody could step up and carry us. But you saw the same things that I saw, similar to our football season this year. We just needed to kind of have a chance to kind of reset the deck a little bit. Uh, but I love what I'm hearing about the lessons of the fall have taken root here in preseason practice with these pitchers. And Nate even said that. Nate said it. He said, I want, he said, I want to say I was fighting it. He did say I was fighting it, but he goes, that's not maybe technically correct. But it was just one of those situations where it was brand new to him. And so his physical muscle memory wants to do things a different way. He's being taught to do something different. He goes, now all of a sudden it's smooth. 
the delivery is smooth. And I, I remember, you know, having some discussions with some people close to Mississippi State baseball. When Parker got here, he goes, it's amazing that Nate Dome throws as hard as he does, considering that there are some things mechanically he can do to kind of smooth up the delivery. Well, now you are. Now we've done that. Now we've refined the delivery a little bit, and you know how hard he threw last year. But there were times he'd overthrow and things would flatten out. Well, now all of a sudden he will be able to throw this breaking ball. It's kind of like the Colby Holcomb thing. Colby Holcomb, when he was at Northeast Mississippi Community College, had a deadly changeup. And I don't know if we just tinkered with it so much because the analytics didn't match what our expectations were. He didn't throw it much last year. It's kind of the same thing with Nate. Nate has a devastating breaking ball, not just a slider. You know, he is a guy that can go out there, and if he needs to, you know, he could throw that big sweeping slider, but he can also bite you with Uncle Charlie. How many times did you see that last year? More times than not, it was a two-pitch mix. Another thing that Nate said, that, you know, he's got greater confidence in his changeup. And that was one of the things that we saw in the fall. When you, when you throw as hard as he does – and then you can change speeds a little bit because that's the key to the kingdom. Like everybody talks about velo, right? When you think about guys like Frank Montgomery, one of the greatest pitchers in Mississippi State history, you know what made Frank great? There's two things. Frank could throw strikes and Frank could change speeds. And I know nowadays the radar gun has changed everything. It's all about how hard you can throw. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I think we've seen such an uptick, uptick in injuries in college baseball and really the game itself. I mean, how many high school kids you see nowadays that are you know, having to go to Tommy John and then go to JUCO to kind of rehab themselves to get themselves an opportunity to play major college baseball? But everybody's in love with a radar gun. Not everybody can be Roger Clemens. And you got some people that can be Greg Maddox, though, and maybe not with that same level of success or command. But Greg Maddox didn't really overpower people. Greg Maddox played off his changeup. Greg Maddox was a guy that could spot up a breaking ball on any count, which made his fastball that much deadlier. Because in many respects, Maddox kind of pitched backwards. And when you have a pitcher that basically all you have, all you're going to call is a fastball and a slider, guys at this level can recognize spin. They can also recognize when a slider is tailing out of the zone. So now you just tell your guys as a hitting coach, hey, you just get up there and sit dead red fastball. He can't consistently throw that slider for a strike, so you just lay off of it. If he walks you, he walks you. Well, you change the dynamic now when you can spot up a change and you can throw your breaking ball for a strike. When you can throw your breaking ball for a strike, that's the key to the kingdom. Because when you can't throw the breaking ball for a strike and you can't get a guy to chase a slider, they're just going to sit there and wait for batting practice. And that's why I think we're going to see a much more well-rounded and more polished Nate Dome. I think Justin Parker coming to Mississippi State is probably going to make Nate Dome a lot of money. I think Nate's going to be a money pitcher for Mississippi State. Need him to stay healthy, yeah, for sure. But I can tell you this, every time that I have been to the baseball complex since the season ended, I've seen Nate Dome. Go down there, take a tour, look at the pitching lab, there's Nate, and they're putting in work, working with that medicine ball working and improving himself. Go down there, just you know, talk talk some ball with Coach, and, and there's Nate getting an extra bullpen. You know, I mean, it's not the work we do as a team that makes a difference. It's the work we do on our own. It's kind of like, you know, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, you know, the work you do from 9 to 5 pays the bills. The work you do beyond that is what leads to true success. 
And that's what you're seeing here. And there's just a lot more discussion, a lot more chatter around the baseball program about how closely knit these guys are. You know, that's how it was in 2021. But a very, very tightly knit group, but we had leaders. You need some alphas, and I think we have some. And I think Justin Parker is probably a guy that will bring that competitive side out of them. That's the Colby Holcomb thing. And I even asked him about this today, and, I, and you guys may remember this. You remember against South Carolina, he had Messina struck out, and we didn't get a call. Well, the next pitch, what do we do? We just try to ram it down his throat, and he hits a home run. We lose the game and ultimately the series. You, know, you, you can pitch with passion, but not with emotion. You can't let the previous pitch dictate your emotional wherewithal. You got to go out there and just execute the next pitch. And, and it's cliche, but it's true. And how many times do you see it when a guy starts fighting the zone and starts fighting an umpire back there and we're not, we feel like we're getting squeezed? Well, well I'll just go strike everybody out. And you couple that with the fact of how bad we were defensively last year. And you can see, you know, mentally, I don't think our pitchers were where they needed to be. But now you've got a guy like Justin Parker, and it's like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. You know, th- this is what we're going to do. And Colby even said that Parker told him, you know, we're not going to show positive emotion. We're not going to show negative emotion. We're going to go out there and do our jobs. That's kind of that Ron Polk mentality, too. You know, Coach Polk, people, he's so mild-mannered these days, but if you're around it, people will tell you. You know, he never got too high, never got too low, but he held people accountable. People want to be held accountable. People that are true competitors want to be held accountable. They want to be coached. They want to get better. And you think about that, too. And this is not to be negative about anybody. Everybody's got their own personality, their own approach, and it works differently for different people. You know when your dog comes up and licks your hand? Yeah, it's, it's cute, right? It is. It's heartwarming. What would it be like if a lion did it? Which would mean a little bit more? I mean, the lion can devour you, but the fact that you befriended a lion... You know, your dog is dependent on you. The lion's not. And that's kind of how I see this whole thing with Justin Parker. To get praise from Justin Parker, a guy that's going to hold you accountable, a guy that's going to get in your you-know-what when you don't execute the way you should, you get praise from that guy, it's going to mean a little bit more because he holds you accountable. If somebody's always telling you how great you are, what incentive do you have to get better? Because good is the enemy of great. That's good enough. You know, that's one of the things that I, I, I've said about certain baseball and football programs over the years, and then all of a sudden you see a new coach come in and there's a culture change. You know, there's, there's some people even within our conference, it's like they're told all the time how great they are rather than what they need to do to improve. And I think that's where Parker is cut from a different cloth. I think Justin Parker is the guy – He's going to come in here and get more out of these pitchers than what you've seen. And uh, I asked Bryce Chance, who was the most difficult pitcher that he faced this offseason on the Bulldog team. He said Carson Ligon. He said, I'm not going to tell you why because I don't want to give out a scouting report. He goes, but he's difficult. And it's funny, Nate Dom said that Bryce Chance was the most difficult guy from a pitching standpoint. Because Bryce Chance is a guy that, number one, has a very, very, very quiet swing He's not trying to do too much. You know, he's a guy that goes out there and just kind of hits it where, it, where there's green grass. I mean, how many times last year did Bryce Chance come up with runners on and two out and come through with a clutch base hit? He's got a clutch gene. 
And there's nothing more frustrating than to a pitcher when you've got a guy like Bryce Chance and you can't finish him. It's like I've thrown my best pitch and he just keeps fouling it off, fouling it off, fouling it off, and extending the bat. And finally you make a mistake and he knocks the ball in the center field and the run comes in and scores. That is so debilitating and deflating for a pitcher. And that's what Bryce Chance does. Bryce is an irritating hitter in a very positive way because he's not going to go up there and overswing. And yeah, sometimes people get him. That's the nature of competition. But he's a guy that basically goes up there with the mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm just trying to get on base. Just trying to extend an inning. His approach at the plate is next level. And his physical stature and his physical skill may not be. He may just be a great college player. May just be a good college player. But when you start thinking about guys like this, you start adding some depth to the order. Now, all of a sudden, you got the benefit of Bryce Chance and Dakota Jordan. You don't have Colton Ledbetter, who was an absolute star for us. Love that kid to death. But the lineup this year – would Ross Highfield have a year of SEC pitching under his belt, facing those guys? Logan Kohler being a veteran guy at third, you're going to have a better offensive lineup. And more importantly, you're going to be better defensively. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Save yourself some time. Google is your friend. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Their Facebook page will come up. You'll have several options to book. Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're bringing a large group to town, maybe it's a, a work crew. Maybe you're coming in. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're working at the university. Maybe you're just working you know, throughout the Golden Triangle. And you'd, it'd be nice to have a place for everybody to kind of huddle and then have their own private quarters. The Stark Vegas Clubhouse is the way. The old renovated country club clubhouse out there, just five minutes from campus. So whether you're coming for a work event or you're coming for a sporting event or you're just going to say, you know what, hey, we're, guys, we're going to take a staycation. We're going to go rent a super cool place. We're just going to be together. We're going to watch some Netflix. We're going to put some steaks on the grill. We'll get some adult beverages. We'll sit out there by this fire pit. We'll enjoy this big back porch, which is absolutely phenomenal. That's a great idea. Maybe we talked about you know getting the guys together, getting the ladies together, whatever. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you rent out the Stark Vegas Clubhouse and say, you know what? Hey, this would be a great place to have some communal areas for us to have some quality time together. And then I've got my own room. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Book through the Evolve website, though, and we can save you 10%. Yes, you can book through Airbnb. You can book through VRBO. But we can save you 10% if you book through the Evolve website with promo code BSR10. BSR10. And again, it's a Stark Vegas clubhouse. I love that place out there. I absolutely do. Absolutely do. <clears throat> All right. Final segment. We do have some football visitors on campus this weekend. That's... uh. Rather significant. We do have one official visitor for the 2024 class. That's Leland Smith, a wide receiver from Fullerton College. He was initially set to visit Miami this weekend. That's not correct. He originally was set to visit Mississippi State. Miami talked him into changing it, and then Chad Bumpus goes in and talks him into coming here instead. Uh, The only official visitor this weekend, and then, of course, there are several unofficial visitors, uh, just to kind of run this down for you, uh, Cardi Smith out of Williamson, Alabama, big-time offensive tackle prospect. He's expected to be here. Uh, Jacob Washington from Shaw, wide receiver down there in New, in New Orleans proper. Uh, Archbishop Shaw is the same high school that Preston Smith came from. No, that's not right. Ryan Smith came from down there. Preston came from uh, Stevenson High School in Stone Mountain, Georgia. But uh, Jacob Washington – uh, down there in a very competitive league 
for sure. Uh, Rasheen Dinkins from Warner Robins, Georgia, safety prospect expected to be in. Uh, Kamario Taylor, your, your quarterback commitment, making his second visit in three weeks. I want him on campus as much as possible. Running back, Akeelan Deer, I think he's the best running back in the state of Mississippi by far. There's, there's a, we got a handful of D1 running backs in the state this year, but Akeelan Deer is special. Mississippi State, first offer, he's picked up a lot since then, got some national-level offers. He'll be on campus this weekend. And this is where, you know, Tucker and these guys and Levy really, really, really need to get a win. Not going to expect anything to happen with him anytime soon. That's a big-time player just down the road, for sure. Uh, Micah DeBose, center out of Iger High School. Probably going to be tough to get him. Um, I'm told he can play up and down the line. If necessary, he can play everything all the way up to left tackle if he needed to. I don't know that if he has that um, – he's still got some time to grow. But um, it's a guy that's sub 6'4", so I think he's probably a right tackle at best. But more than likely, an interior guy. I'm told he's intelligent enough to handle the checks and the calls. Could be a center. But I'm told it's going to be tough to get him out of the state of Alabama. With Alabama and Auburn both chasing him, Georgia's on him too. That would be a big get. Just getting him on campus is great. One of the more intriguing guys for me is Tyshawn Willis out of Elma Jackson. Elma Jackson nearly won the state championship last year. They fell to Biggersville in probably the game of the year. Yeah, incredible game. Willis is a guy that plays defensive end. Probably a camp kid because of the fact, can he get out and cover in space? He has a linebacker build, but he's played defensive end to generate some pass rush due to a team need there. He's also a guy that's played, moved around some on offense. I mean, you know how 1A football is. When you got a player of that value, you move him around to make the most impact they possibly can on a game. But um, big-time player for sure. Doesn't have an offer from state yet. be interesting to see what happens with him. Mario Nash, Jr. State was one of the first schools to offer him. He's, on, he's blown up on us. Out of Kemper County, that's the same high school that former Bulldog tight end Marcus Green came from. Had some great success there. Chris Jones, current coach at Starkville High School, won a state championship at Kemper County. Uh, they have found a way to produce some players down there, down there around the old Scuba DeKalb area. They will get after you, and those people need football. They do. They, they need football. As Mike Lee used to say, a lot of guys like football. You need players that need football. Uh, I love recruiting that neck of the woods because there's a lot of uh, country kids that kind of grew up kind of hard knuckle. You know what I'm saying? They know what work is all about. Uh, A.J. Rice, Mississippi State linebacker commitment. We're playing now at Madison Academy over in Alabama, originally from Crawford, Mississippi. I picked up an offer from Ole Miss today. No, I don't expect any of that to be a problem. Uh, I think A.J. will stick with Mississippi State, and this is a guy, too, that really gets you excited. Tyler Lockhart, too. Uh, linebacker out of Winona, we excited to get him back and be his second visit in three weeks. I think this is a matter of time. Of course, he's T.J. Lockhart's younger brother, Fred Clark, one of his best friends. That, that trio is always together, just about an hour down the road. And uh, country kids that love to go hunting and fishing, those guys fit. A Tyler Lockhart, and I've said this now for months, he is the best defensive prospect in the state of Mississippi for this class. And, and I think in three years, we'll come back and revisit this competition in uh, this conversation. And if he has uh, remained healthy, the numbers will reflect that. I absolutely love his game. Andrew Maddox out of Oak Grove is coming in. You know, his younger brother, A.J., signed with Ole Miss. I'm not sure he plays quarterback there. A really good get for Ole Miss because of the fact I think it really helps uh, with Andrew Maddox. I, I would say right now Ole Miss probably the team to beat here. 
It's going to be difficult for us to pull him. I mean, it really is. But uh, he's a big-time player. Uh, I, I think he's a top-ten player in the state of Mississippi. That's based off some early film evaluation. But I would say he's probably headed to Ole Miss if he stays in state. Uh, Christopher Johnson coming in from the state of Alabama uh, from uh, Robert E. Lee High School. Uh, and their defensive line prospect, probably going to be a defensive tackle when it's all said and done. will be interesting to see what he has to say. Caleb Bell from Milton, Georgia, another defensive line guy. Uh, Talib Graham from Daphne, Alabama. So David Turner going to have some big-body guys on campus in addition to Cody Kennedy. And we, we've spoken extensively about the great job Cody Kennedy has done just getting guys to campus, getting guys to visit, and look at the work that he did in the transfer portal. You know, Cody Kennedy's off to a great start. The only guy, again, that's had a better recruiting cycle than Cody Kennedy's Chad Bumpus. Uh, Donovan Starr, cornerback from Ravenwood High School in Tennessee, if that sounds familiar, it's the same high school Chris Parson played at. Uh, so you ought to have some inroads there. And, uh, you know, I'm eager to see what Parson does uh, this spring in this offense. But uh, there will be some others, but um, and probably some of the guys we're expecting may not make it. That's just kind of how it works, you know. But your staff doing a really good job in the early going, building relationships, getting guys to campus. And you know how this thing works, man. How many times do you hear about it? Like there's a lot of people out there that maybe their high school coach was a recruit at some point. And when he came through here, you know, we're cutting that film out there out of a single-wide trailer donated by some high school in Florence, Alabama, right? And so they've got the old impression of Mississippi State. That's one of the things Dan Mullen used to always say, man, if we can just get them here, if we can just get them here, all of a sudden they get here and they see the Sill Junior Complex, they see our practice fields, they see our weight room, they see our campus, uh, they see the quaint nature of our town, all of a sudden – it's better than people anticipate. It's not for everybody. You know, Star Goal's not for everybody. I love living here. I'm going to live here until the end. Uh, if God says the same, you know. Uh, but that's what I think loving those guys have done a good job of. It's like, hey, not only are these guys coming, you got some repeat visitors, some in-state guys that will be very instrumental in kind of building your class together. So to get all these out-of-state guys in around some of the, the guys you expect to get, I think is very significant. I think his staff is going about things the right way. And uh, they're not boring everybody with these golf, court, golf, golf cart tours. That'll all come later. We're just kind of hanging out. Hey, you guys come in. Let's visit for a little while. You guys can eat, take some pictures, and then we'll go over to the basketball game, and you can kind of see the best of Mississippi State. And you guys have done an amazing job the last couple weekends packing out the arena. And so they get a chance to see what a big-time atmosphere looks like. It's like, hey, because it's not just about being – an athlete. It's about being a student here. I mean, how many times have you seen over the years, you know, where Dak or, or Deronye Wilson and other players will turn out to support the men's or women's basketball programs or come to baseball, right? You find out, too, about student life at Mississippi State that maybe doesn't affect you and your specific sport, but you can have a great time right here at Mississippi State. And I think that's an important part of this. So rather than bring guys in and, and it's like a big old, you know, cattle call where you're herding everybody through and this is what you got to do and make sure you get this thing stamped and go meet with this advisor and see this storm that can all take place later the approach this staff has taken so far is just simply about hey this is about relationships this is about people we want to get to know you as people we want you to be able to know us as people just come in here and visit with us and get to know us a little bit rather than hey 
okay, this, this uh, student assistant's going to put you in a golf cart and they're going to drive you and your family around and, and uh, we'll see in you know, an hour. That's just not going to get it done. You know, there's some people that grow up dreaming of playing at Mississippi State, and, and, and you'd almost have to drive them away, right? That's how it was for my kids, right? I mean, Ani always wanted to play baseball at Mississippi State, didn't get the opportunity. Um, but my girls came to Mississippi State, and they loved every second of it. Ian is having a blast. So three of my four kids attended Mississippi State, and eventually I think Ani will probably get his MBA from Mississippi State just so he can claim to be a Mississippi State alum. But they were going to come to Mississippi State anyway. And I remember Audrey, my oldest daughter, who uh, got a degree in computer engineering when, uh, when her younger brother, Ian, was considering going to Southern Miss. And I let them figure all this thing out themselves. But uh, my girls do a great job recruiting. And uh, Audrey told Ian, it's like, hey, Mississippi State is an SEC school. And even though you're not an athlete, you want to be around sporting events that matter, especially you being a sports fan. Be super cool to be able to have classes with guys that you see on television. These guys become your friends. And many of you grew up with that, right? And that's the thing I think about is like, hey, let's just kind of get everybody together. And let's just kind of talk and see if it's a fit. And you start laying some some groundwork for later. So we'll get you some uh, recap information, you know, Sunday afternoon. We'll get on into Monday. Uh, We'll try to catch up with some of these guys. Obviously, guys that have been here more recently, we're not going to hit them up again, you know. But um, the bottom line is this. I like what we're doing. We have a lot of work to do. Got to identify the right players. Got to get the right evaluation. I mean, you can't just go off. Because when you offer an in-state kid, you better be ready to take him. And when you look at the quality of offensive linemen in our state this year, it probably makes sense to be a little patient. There's a few guys out there that are no-brainers. There's some other guys out there that are probably camp kids. And so you go deep-sea fishing right now. I mean, it's January, right? I've always liked... My philosophy on recruiting for Mississippi State has been very, very simple. I'm going to go offer all the no-doubter Mississippi kids as early as I can. As soon as I identify them as an SEC player, I want to get my offer out there. I want to, get, I want to beat Ole Miss to the punch. I want to beat Alabama to the punch. I, I don't want to be in a situation where it's like, hey, why are we late to the party here? As soon as we know a guy is an SEC player, let's offer him. And then I'm going to bring these other guys in on junior days and guys that maybe I need to see in a spring evaluation period, maybe guys that I need to see in camp. But I'm also going to go chase all these four- and five-star kids in the southeast. I'm going to go chase them all. And you never know. One or two of them might want to come. You never know that one of them may have a connection to Mississippi State through a coach, through a parent, through a, a teacher. I don't know. But you don't know if you don't extend the offer. I mean, you sign 0% of the players that you never offer. And so I would go out and say, okay, listen, here are the top 25 guys at this position. I'm going to go offer all of them. And if I don't get them, then I'm going to have the benefit of the spring evaluation period in my camps where these guys that maybe I've got some question marks about, I can get that answered. So then, again, the no-doubt guys in Mississippi first. And then the best prospects in the Southeast, period, And then once I kind of have an idea of where my traction is, then I'm going to come back and work and evaluate these guys in camps, and there are going to be some guys that uh, maybe I wasn't totally sure about, and now I am. But maybe that guy doesn't get the opportunity if I get a big hit somewhere else. 
So that's the way that I've always seen it. I think that's the right way to do it, and that appears to be what your staff is doing. And at Mississippi State, when it comes to this, especially in-state kids, I've always said you need to be first. You need to be first. Because I don't need that kid out there tweeting out about the rival school. I don't need him going to their bookstore and uh, buying the shirt, wearing that, all of a sudden on social media. It's like, you know, because the, the thing it's one of the things that Melvin Smith told me years ago. Once they come to your campus and they buy the shirts, you feel like you got a good chance. But all of a sudden, like if, you know, let's say Ole Miss offers a kid in January, and then, hey, we got to see him in camp, there's a good chance he's not coming. I mean, we saw it with Dante Daldell, right? We weren't sure what he was. Is he a linebacker? Is he a running back? He ends up going to Oregon. Now, he did give us a chance to visit with him when he got to port, but now he's headed to Nebraska. But this is a young man that wanted to be at Mississippi State, and we messed it up. And listen, my attitude about that is this. is like, you know, if, if you're not sure, you need to get more information. And I'm not saying go take a kid just because everybody else offered it. We've had some coaches in the past. It's like all of a sudden if there's a, a kid in their area that LSU or Alabama offers, we'll, we'll just go throw an offer on them. It's like we're, we're letting everybody else do our work for us. And I think this staff sees things much, much differently. I think that they're going to go get their guys. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You can get the new book, When the Bottom Falls. I've already started writing um, on the next book, The Dude, that will be out later this year. We'll keep you apprised of that here on the show. But the new one, When the Bottom Falls, still doing exceptionally well. Uh, whether you have a problem with chemical dependency or not, or if you're in recovery, I, I don't know your needs, but I, I guarantee you, you could probably use some inspiration in your life. I've had a lot of people that have messaged me, uh, my friends Jeff Rogers down in Brookhaven, so you know what, Steve, I haven't had these issues, but I, I, I was really inspired by the book. Uh, I would encourage you to get it. If you need some inspiration in your life, get the book. Because it's really about a story of redemption. And then all my sports titles there as well. That's Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. And every Bulldog needs a copy of Dogpile, whether you read or not. You need that. It should be part of your sports memorabilia collection. Matter of fact, I heard from Mackenzie Solomon just yesterday said that she still has a copy of Flim Flam in her sports memorabilia collection in her apartment in New York. It's pretty special to me. Uh, so be sure and check that out. If you need Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. Go get T-shirts, hoodies, all the, all the uh, local schools. You can get a Stark Villain hoodie and T-shirt in your school colors, which makes it compliant with the dress code. So be sure and check that out. And as always, come join us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State Affiliate for 247 Sports. Listen, you guys have a great weekend. Again, I apologize for the show being late. I know you understand. i got to probably go get in the hot tub now and uh, loosen up some of these muscles. I'm just joking. It's not that bad. I'm not that decrepit. But, again, thanks so much for Coach Ricketts for uh, opening things up and letting us take a few swings today. Kind of reminds me of uh, you know, being a little bit younger. I'm still glad I can get out there and do it, uh, even at my advanced age, to get out there and do it. Uh, so I appreciate so much uh, to be able to use that facility for just a short while, to be up there and just kind of go have some fun. It was a great time. And, uh, again, look forward to uh, seeing our content about baseball and softball media days in the days to come. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.